0: You are listening to Myth Behaving, a podcast with a little bit of attitude on the literary world. Won't you come Myth Behave with us? Hello, 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 and welcome to Myth Behaving. This is episode number seven of Myth Behaving, and we're recording on Sunday, March the 24th. 2013. I'm Carla Clifton and I'm joined today by my normal co-host, Mayor Wilson. Hello, Mayor. How are you? I'm fine, Carla. How are you doing today? Well, I think I'm doing much better than you. You are recovering (laughs) from the creepy crud, whatever that may be.
1: I know. I I was talking to somebody earlier and I go, you know, I had a flu shot. I'm not supposed to get sick here.
0: I know, and see, I haven't had my flu shot, and I haven't been sick. Was I tell you?
1: Rub it in. I know. Just rub it in. (laughs) 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 Um, Each each Myth Behaving show, we do feature a special guest from the literary world. It could be a writer, a publisher, an agent, an editor, or anyone else connected with the world of publishing.
0: Plus, we have several special segments related to reading or writing, like
1: this one. Be very quiet when hunting books in the library of a myth behavior. And that means it's time for something from the library of the myth behavior, which of course is me, because Carla's usually good and doesn't myth behave as much as I myth behave, I guess. Anyway, today I'm recommending the Work in Progress Notebook. It's WIP, and that stands for Work in Progress Notebook by Jeannie Rouche. This isn't fiction. But it's a really handy tool for writers, especially those who tend to keep notes like on post-it notes and napkins and, uh, whatever they can find to write on. This is a fabulous tool for those kinds of writers. Uh, it provides excellent, excellent organization for the pantser. It's also great for those who are ex- extremely organized and have all of their outlines and everything, you know, completely categorized because it's a good reference guide for the planner. So whether you're a pantser, whether you're a planner, this is an excellent tool for you to use.
0: Well, that must mean that today's special guest is Jeannie Roosh, who is actually a longtime cover artist. Today, we're going to focus on that aspect of her career. Welcome to the show,
1: Jeannie. We are so glad that you're able to join us.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: We are very thrilled to have you chat with us, Jeannie. You've designed so many gorgeous, gorgeous covers, and they're fabulous. I can't draw stick people, so I <laughs> admire—I admire people who can can do what you do. How did you first get into designing covers?
2: Well, if I have to admit something, I really can't draw stick people either. <laughs> <laughs> If you put an actual pencil and paper in my hands, and I, what I come up with would probably be about stick people. Most of the artwork that I do is on the computer, so it's very computer-generated and based. It's a matter of mixing images together. Uh, I can't remember the exact first cover that I did, um, but I know that I've been working with Crescent Moon Press, the publisher, for quite a while, and I also design for authors directly. Um, I've done one for uh, New York Times bestseller, Brenda Novak. I've done covers for Lynn Rush, Ciara Knight, and many others. Um So it's just because I've been in marketing design for a long time, getting into the book cover world was just fairly natural, I guess, because I also am an author as well. And I love the the industry and I love everything about it. So getting into the the design of what's on the books, not just writing what's inside them, was a perfect blend of everything that I do.
0: Of Truth and mystery. Of Truth and Mythery is a segment where we take a look at commonly held publishing or writing beliefs and examine whether it's true or just another myth. Jeannie, I want you to feel free to just answer this one for us. Any cover artist can design for any book as long as they're talented and good at what they do.
2: I think any artist can probably design on just about any medium. When it comes to book covers, the what I think is the hidden secret to them is actually establishing a really good communication with the the author of the book or the publisher of the book, so that you can really fully understand what it is that they're trying to present and what it is that their book is about. And so I think if you have somebody who is a really good artist, I think they can they can create a style that works for any cover. It just depends on whether they can write they can create the right cover for that particular author. That's you, an awesome answer.
0: It is. And do you, oh, you. <laughs> do you find yourself really getting into the books um, so that you can create that perfect cover? Do you like read them cover to cover and study them? and? Take- it's
2: actually rare that I read any of the books that I design for. I know that's probably surprising. <laughs> um, but it would take a lot longer in the process to read the book from beginning to end. And also, you know, I'm going to design books for... Uh, covers for books that may not be my personal reading style. And I don't want that to get in the way of creating what it is that the author themselves has set out to give to their readers emotionally. I don't want my own biases and my own beliefs and my own preferences to get in the way of that. Um, Most of the covers that I design are from submitted art forms and that leaves it up to the author to give me what they feel is the most relevant information on the book, on their characters, their setting, their story, um, objects that feature prominently in the books, uh, setting the, you know, the, the places that a book are in and located in and how the author presents them really makes a difference on a cover. And it's one of the ways that you can make something look different from other book covers in the same genre as well. My goal, I guess, is to discover who the author is. And that needs to be on the book cover as much as the story needs to be there as well.
1: That is such
0: do- a great answer. <laughs> I know <laughs> it is.
1: Where do you get your specific inspiration though, say you get a new book? Where do you where do you start? Do you start with that cover form?
2: I start with the cover form and I look and I read through it probably a couple of times. I'll usually open it immediately, read it through, put it away, and then come back to it a little bit later with fresh eyes and see what else I can pull out of it. And then the next thing I usually do is I start Googling the author. And the reason that I do that is because I want to understand their style. I want to understand who they are. I think a book is the, the, the cover, the, the the purpose of a cover of a book cover is to kind of give you a hint as to the emotion inside of a book. It's to give you a little bit of hint of what secret is inside. And that comes from the author. So knowing what makes them laugh, what makes them giggle uh, things like that. On the other questionnaires that I have for other work that I do, I ask very odd questions of people that have sometimes said, why does that matter when you're creating an artwork for me? Like, do you prefer oceans or mountains? Do you prefer, you know, beach dinner or, you know, this kind of thing? And basically it's to help me establish what matters to them and what kind of personality they have behind the book because that is ultimately what you're reading is about who they are. That is such an exciting answer. <laughs> it really is.
1: Well, thank you. (laughs) It's time
0: for MythPrint, tips and tricks of the industry. Well, it's that special time again for another one of our segments. MythPrint includes a basic tip concerning writing, marketing, or anything else to do with the industry. Jeannie, do you have any tips for artists looking to get into cover design?
2: I think the the best thing about an artist's work that's going to sell them as a, a cover designer is their work. So especially for, and that's tough for somebody who hasn't had any opportunities to create book covers, doesn't have a portfolio built. So the first thing that I would say is go and find the covers that you like. See the ones that appeal to you and then create some fictional templates based off of your own concepts and ideas so that you have something to show people for what you do and what your style is. Every artist has a very unique and different style, and your style will match with specific authors or specific publishers in a way that others, other artists wouldn't. So it's a matter of showing them who you are as an artist, what you have the capabilities of doing, and then getting your name out there and letting the author see what you can do. That's that's
1: fabulous. I'm I'm just I'm just in awe of this whole process that you that you have to do and it's just it's boggling my mind because I really I don't I haven't thought of it from that point of view I think
2: and that makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of people think that a a cover art comes just from the book and certainly you can do that, but if you want to create something that really draws the reader into the story and maybe that's partially also because I'm an author, so I understand that a book is more than just a story. It's, it's also a part of an author. And I think that that is what will help the reader connect to the cover art emotionally if you can find a way to capture that. And I
1: would have never thought about that. I would have never thought, what is the author like? I mean, just getting into the difference between, you know, mountains or beaches or whatever, I would never have thought of that. I'm, I'm sitting here in awe because I never would have thought of that.
2: You're not the first person because I know when I sent out my questionnaires, I don't necessarily always include the odd questions on the cover art because I want to stay focused on the story as well. But uh, in the other, when I design websites or other things that I've worked on, I send out that art form and people come back, why does this matter? Why are you asking what I think a romantic date looks like? Why are you asking this? And a lot of it is because it's just all the pieces that make us unique and make us fit into the puzzle that we are. And to make something that's as compelling as possible, for me at least, I feel that that's necessary information.
1: I just oh, I
0: find think, that fascinating.
2: I do too.
1: This it's, it's just really interesting. I mean, I would have never thought of... It's just so unique.
2: That's good that you look at it that way because I figure once the authors find out that I start Googling them and start searching out their social media, they might think I'm stalking
0: them. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that it gives you a good... Um, feel for who the person really is and where they are going with what their thought process is for their book. And, it really does. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can see that. And that is that that's what makes you good at what you do.
2: Oh, well, thank you. Well, especially with the book covers, if I haven't designed any of the other elements for an author's, you know, their website or any of their promotional materials, I don't necessarily know what they're trying to portray and what brand they're trying to give out so visiting an author's and there have been a number of times it's actually quite surprised me but visiting an author's website gives me a look as to how they're trying to represent themselves out into their readership and I think that's just as important to know when I'm creating the book cover as knowing what the story is about
0: I totally agree well what do you love most about what you do
2: Creating. I love the artwork. And to me, a lot of it is like building a puzzle. Um, I have a tendency to my style tends to be a, a mishmash of images that I try to pull together and create one visually appealing image. So the the puzzle aspect of it is taking, you know, half a picture here, a quarter of a picture here and this of that and melding it all together and then. My favorite part is probably the ending where it's just the matter of shading and it's the matter of highlighting certain areas and darkening others to make what I want to stand out in the picture stand out. That's my probably my absolute favorite part of the process.
1: That sounds fun. And finding the right cover fun. font.
2: <laughs> I would just say, and finding the right cover font matters too.
1: <laughs> I guess it does.
2: It's not always as easy as it might seem because they don't necessarily give the right, imp- the right feel or the right ma- message along with the picture. So for me, that can take, you know, it can take a lot of time looking through sites till I find the right one. Uh, speaking of time, how long does it take you to do a cover
1: from, say, the time you get the job to the time you turn your cover in?
2: Oh, hmm. that can depend. Um, I've created a cover in a day, uh, so eight to ten hours. Um, and other times it can take a couple of weeks and obviously I'm not working on it every day uh, or every hour of every day. Um, so it really just depends on how clear I am when I start the project as to what I want it to look like at the end.
1: Is there anything about the process you don't like?
2: Um, I would say overall, I mean, it's it's a joy to create a book cover. So I there's nothing about creating a book cover that would ever turn me away from it. I do think that the hardest part is probably if the communication between me and the author or the publisher or whomever it is that I'm dealing with on a regular basis goes awry. And I don't necessarily mean as in we're arguing or disagreeing with things. It's more like I'm not quite capturing what it is that they want to to envision on their cover. Um, one of the things that I really strive to do is to provide the right book cover the first time out. And I'm happy to say most of the time I have a very high success rate of doing that. Most of the time when I send a cover out, I get that immediate, that's exactly what I want, that better response. But occasionally that doesn't happen. And when that doesn't happen, it can usually mean because we're not looking at words the same way. We're not seeing certain things the same way. Um, So that tends to be just a little bit more work involved. And, you know, obviously we would love it if every book the first time out was the perfect book.
0: Well, you know, in looking at what, Your, you know what work you've done I've noticed that you have a lot of different styles in your covers do you do you have a favorite art style
2: um I think every artist probably has their own style whether they're aware of it or not (laughs) and sometimes I think it's pretty subtle for me I like to create a sense of depth in the artwork that I do um are you asking if it's the type of art that I create or if I were to buy a picture to hang on my wall, what would I put up there?
0: What you like to do. What I like to
2: do. Mm -hmm. In other Um, words, with your covers, what,
0: what, what art style do you like to use?
2: For me, what always matters is creating something that shows depth and that it It sets a scene in a way that almost feels like you could be pulled inside of it. That's really what I strive to create. And a lot of that depends on creating the shadows and the highlights in the right place. Um, I think the outside of a book really should tell you about what to expect within the pages, but it should almost be so subtle that you don't realize you're being influenced. Um, you'll, You'll get a feel for what the scene is about. And when you hit that part of the book that helps that cover make sense, then it starts to click into place. It's part of the puzzle. I think a book is very much a puzzle and the cover is just one part of that puzzle, not the, not, you know, the, the entire puzzle.
1: What are you working on currently? Is there anything you can tell us about your current project?
2: Um, I have about four different projects in the queue right now. I'm working on one for a young adult author. Um, I have another that I'm working on for, it's a great story about mermaids for one of the publishers that I work for. Um, another one is for a steam book, steampunk series. Sorry. And another new adult series as well. So it's a pretty broad spectrum of things.
0: Gosh, it sounds like it. It does. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah, it keeps it diversified so you don't get bogged down in one particular genre or another, right?
2: It really does. And I think one of the, the challenging but fun parts of creating a cover is that if you are creating covers that are in the same genre, for instance, paranormal. Um, we all kind of know what a paranormal cover looks like. And there's a reason you want to stay to that, because that's what people expect and they know when they read it. Um, but you also want to create something that's unique within that frame. Um, so any r- writer is probably familiar, you know, keep it fresh, but not. <laughs>
0: right.
2: But it's got to be recognizable. It's the same thing. You want to keep it fresh, but it's also got to be recognizable as the genre that it's in.
0: Very true, very true. Well, we've seen a lot of changes in the industry just in the last couple of years. Do you feel the changes have impacted your cover art? And if so, in what ways? And how do you feel about those changes?
2: Pardon my coughing. I've been getting over a little bit of the cred as well. So Um, I think the changes in the industry have opened up a lot of options. And I think that's just not just for authors, but for our artists as well, who are looking for cover artwork. Um, self-publishing is such a viable route now that authors, they, they need to find good artists to create the vision that they want. And it's definitely a field that has a, a lot of potential and more and more cover artists are getting into the mix and creating more covers, which I, I don't envision as a threat. I actually think it's a fantastic thing because you don't want all book covers to look the same. And even though, you know, we all artists strive to create books that are unique, like, as I said, every artist has a specific style. And I think having more and more books and more and more styles and more and more ability out there for people to create books is just a great thing. Um, so I think the the opening field for authors to either self-publish or work with a small press or an e-publisher or whatever the case may be has opened the field as much for artists as it has for authors.
1: Great answer. Uh, and and it's it sounds true, too, because I know it has for authors. Yes. Uh so that makes sense that it that it would it would go across the board for the rest of the the people that are involved in a book because you know it it's not just the author themselves doing a book it, every, there's so many people involved in getting that book out so i guess that would trickle to everybody across
2: and it's been exciting to watch because authors are starting to realize as they travel down that self publishing route That they don't have to do everything themselves. So the things that are scary, like creating a book cover, um, they don't have to take care of themselves. There are opportunities and people out there, such as myself, that are, you know, cost effective, capable, and and able to create the vision that they want. And it's only going to serve them better in the end, in my opinion. I think the book cover could be a lot harder than they think it is.
1: Oh, yeah. I I wouldn't want to try doing one. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be in deep trouble.
0: the myth number is
1: and that means it's time for myth Nomer, our phrase for the day and of course that's going to be book cover because we are to- while we're told to not judge a book by its cover we do you know it's hard for us to ignore the artwork and just say well you know I'm, I'm not going to judge this book. I'm just going to read it. But we do judge it by the artwork. Jeannie, why do we do that? What, it is, what is it about that art that caused us?
2: Is it just because it's visual? I think it's impossible not to judge a book by the artwork that you're seeing. It's because it's where we take our cues on what to expect from what's inside. And I know as a reader, I'm I'm a mood reader. I like to read a lot of books. I read historical. I read you know, fantasy. I read thriller, suspense, whatever the case may be. I take my cues as to what kind of a mood I'm in, what kind of book I'm looking for from that cover. And it creates a certain level of expectation that we've come to rely on. And so I think that's where the experience in marketing design provides a great benefit because it helps the cover artist. It helps the, the author and the publisher have a really good understanding of how colors affect people, how moods can be urged based on what elements you put on the page. And that's, as a a human being, you can't help but be moved by something that either really calls to you or just lets you look by and look at the next cover instead.
0: I think that we're all kind of visual animals anyway. And I know one of the things that I look for or that draws me to a book is the cover. I mean, yes, I'm going to read the the back or the flaps or or whatever and and see if it's something that would interest me. But the first thing you notice is that cover. And Absolutely. It, you know, And if, if I see two books that both sound interesting, I'm going to pick the one with the best cover. And, and I do that subconsciously. I don't even know I'm doing it until I realize what I've done.
2: Absolutely. And you know, the funny thing, when you say the word the the best cover, it's, you could probably put those same two books in front of 10 people and which book cover they felt was the best might be different. Exactly. And that's because, yeah, because they're really, you're, you're drawn to something specific and that's where the cover creates an ability to connect to the reader. And it's going to connect to one reader in a different way than it will another reader. But that's what you aim for when you create the cover. Right. You want them to judge by that cover because you want them to connect to it.
0: Exactly. On some, some personal level, because that's exactly where, you know, visually we go. We go to some personal level, whether that be curiosity or, you know, excitement or whatever the case may be. So.
2: Absolutely. And I think if you look at the website Pinterest, for example, and all the different boards that people put on, you can see a lot of similarities in what people post. Everybody has a style they're drawn to. They have something that fits what 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 they have inside of them that they want to be able to pull out and show people and i think book covers do the same thing you're drawn to what intrigues you
0: exactly well that makes sense now comes the fun part if (laughs) you could have a dinner party with any seven people living dead or fictional who would you include
2: you know, when you told me this question was coming, I asked on Twitter. <laughs> Cause I wanted people's opinions. I wanted to see what people would choose. So I thought about this very carefully, and I finally came up with a list. So this is my list. Excellent. I decided Queen Elizabeth I, Henry VIII, because I want to see – I'd be fascinated to see what adult best would say to her father. I think that conversation would be fantastic. Um, I'd include Jackie Cochran, who was the founder of the Women's Air Force Service Pilots in the World War II, because I'm fascinated by the Fly Girls in that entire era. Uh, Walt Disney, because I'm just, I I just love the man. Lisa Gardner, she's one of my favorite authors. Uh, Lucille Ball, because she's hilarious, and I think she'd be a lot of fun. And Matthew McConaughey, because we all need somebody pretty to look at.
1: (laughs) Oh my my God, God. what a fabulous
2: list. (laughs)
0: I'm so jealous of your list. That is so perfect because I love Lucille Ball.
2: <laughs> I do too, and I'd actually think it would be very hilarious to see Lucille Ball and Henry VIII interact.
0: Oh, I oh no <laughs> kidding! She would I win was... him
1: over in a heartbeat.
2: Stupid. <laughs> and then Jackie Cochran would probably run him over in her plane. <laughs> there you go.
1: That what a fabulous list, just Jeannie, You just have all these these levels and layers, but then of course you're an artist, so you would. Um, but just, just it's, it's fun chatting with you today. It definitely is. Thank you. What question do you never get asked in an interview that you wish someone would ask you? And what would you answer?
2: You know, I was sharing one of those I don't know how you do it conversations with a friend of mine. Uh, actually, uh, Brenda Novak, who's a fantastic New York Times bestselling author and also runs the online auction for diabetes, which is in May. So you should definitely check it out if you get a chance. Uh, We were comparing crazy lives and wondering how each of us keeps all of the balls in the air. Um, So I guess that's probably one question, the how do you do it, that people constantly ask when they know that you have more than one job or how many kids, whatever the case may be. Um, And for me, the answer and why this question is important is because I think it relates to the unsung hero in my life, and that's my husband. He is incredibly supportive and helpful, and he helps me talk things out. He gives opinions on my writing. He actually edits my pages for me when I ask him to. He offers a critical eye on the web designs, especially the book covers, uh, tells me if he likes it, if he doesn't. And if I know something isn't quite right, he has a fantastic ability to just kind of pinpoint what it is that I'm trying to figure out and fix. Um, I couldn't do any of it without him. And he he is my rock. And I think that a lot of times when somebody talks to the artist or the author or whatever—it's usually the person behind them, the person in the family, the person that is their rock that doesn't get as much attention or appreciation as they should. I totally That's agree. A
1: gorgeous answer, and I yeah. was just sitting here thinking as you said that, and I'm like, that is so true because we all have our rocks, and and um, Carla's mine. Mm-hmm. She's she's the one who provides that for me. So, mm-hmm.
2: yep, and I think it's it's the. It gives us the ability to be the crazy, creative people that we are, is knowing that there's somebody there that can be that rock and can help keep you stable even when you feel crazy and out of control. Yeah, that's such such an interesting and wonderful
1: answer, and it reminded me I need to say thank you to Carla a lot more. Thank you, Carla. Oh, you're so (laughs) sweet. Uh,
0: Everyone has their own personal myths. Things a lot of people think about us that may or may not be true. Their own personal myth behaviors, if you will. What myth behavior do people believe about you that is absolutely not true?
2: <clears throat> See, when my husband and I first met, he used to tease me all the time that I have little bluebirds flying around my head. Because I was always nice and very Disney. And uh, it only got worse after we went on vacation in Hawaii, I don't know, at the beginning of our relationship. And I actually got a chance to feed some wild birds from my hand. So I never live that down. Um, but I think that what surprises people is that the Disney aspect of me is only one small part. And I remember uh, when he and I were having dinner with some friends, we ended up in this conversation about how <laughs> the best way to dispose of a dead body. <laughs> 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 and, the, uh, they were all coming up with ways that I knew for in- immediately was going to get them all caught. And so I just started spinning my own concept and telling them exactly how I would get rid of the dead body and what, what I would do and the best way to avoid this and that. And by the time I was done, everybody in the room was silent and I could see they were almost horrified. They didn't think that I had that in me. And it was very, very funny. So I think that's kind of the surprise that most people don't see.
1: That's hilarious. Yeah, that it is. Was, hilarious. it was a lot of fun. The secret behind the Disney princess, right? Yeah.
2: <laughs> Actually, my, my, my husband and my brother dubbed that the raven. So they call me the bluebird and the raven. So that's kind of my little uh, joke with them. Oh, that's that's
1: cute. cute. I like that. <laughs> I like ravens. I got a stuffed raven, not a live one. Um,
2: oh, I love them. I think they're beautiful. Toy. I
1: I got a stuffed toy when I was at um, South Rim, the Grand Canyon. They had this oh, little stuffed raven, and it's really soft, and it sits right here next to me on my desk. I love that. <laughs> so what misbehavior, Jeannie, do you have that people believe about you, but this one really is true?
2: I would say probably the fact that I've been pretty vocal about the fact that I don't like to cook. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really don't like to cook. <laughs> I'm fortunate that I have a husband who is a fantastic cook, and he uh, does it whenever he has, is inspired to find new, uh, new options and dishes to make. Um, and it's odd, too, because both of my parents were fantastic cooks, but that obviously DNA strand just completely missed me by.
0: So, I've always said that that's why they make menus.
2: I you agree. Know? I totally agree.
0: So. I'm right there with you. I am not. Yeah. A, I'm not one that enjoys cooking. I, you know, I say that tongue in cheek because I I'm kind of a country girl here. So uh-huh. I love canning. You know, old fashioned canning. But that's not the same as cooking to me.
2: <laughs> I think if it if it requires anything other than a popcorn thing that goes in the microwave, if it's in the kitchen, it's not gonna interest me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you, you have enough interest to, to, to put us all to shame.
2: Yes, well well it's very good that I have a husband who's very understanding of all of that. <laughs> well And who cooks. Yes. Yes, who cooks. And edits my books, believe it or not. Oh, that's great. That's another myth. Most people don't think that actually exists, but it does.
1: (laughs) That's fabulous. We'll make sure that we get both of your book links up too, Jeannie. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. Absolutely. And we want to thank
0: you for being our guest. This has been such a great time, and we appreciate all of your information and everything that you've shared with us. I feel like we've dipped a little bit into your, your crazy world of creativity.
2: Oh, thank you. It's been a lot of fun to talk about.
1: It has been fun. I've, I've really, I'm so glad you agreed to do this, this interview with us and join us today because you've given us great information. Um, not only for the author trying to get in, but your process. And it's been fun getting a peek into that because it's fascinating to me. So I appreciate that and wish you the very, very best of luck and your continued success. You are, your, your covers are gorgeous and Thank
2: I'll you. make
1: sure we get the links up for everybody to take a look at those.
2: Thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun.
1: Well,
0: remember, everyone, you can go to MythBehaving.com for more information about Jeannie Roosh and links to all of her art and books. You can also read her bio and find links to her social media.
1: And don't forget, you can download this episode on iTunes or listen right on the MythBehaving.com website.
0: Please take a moment to leave us a positive review on iTunes. That's how we move up the iTunes
1: ladder. And don't forget you can subscribe to us on iTunes as well.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Myth Behaving. We'll see you again next time. I'm Carla. And
1: I'm Mare. And we are Myth Behaving, where reality meets fantasy. See you soon.